Hello, everybody. Welcome to this week's episode of Soul Deepen. My name is Elizabeth Anna, and I am your host. On today's episode, I bring a my very first guest that is not family, and someone that I feel like I absolutely know her better thanks to this episode. Um, but we cultivated a friendship. Uh, she was referred to me by a mutual friend to order food from my restaurant for her school. And we've kind of kept in touch through social media. And somehow the episode, doing the episode came up and she actually felt inspired to start her own podcast. And I'm so glad that we did this because I feel like I got to know her so much better and how I've always seen her as somebody who's positive and encouraging. And she recently motivated, re-motivated me to start 75 Hard again. And seeing her complete it, seeing her outlook on you know what it's done for her, it definitely inspired me. So knowing her story, just uh, it allowed me to get to know her better. And it makes what I see, what I've been seeing on social media, even that more inspirational because her story is pretty, uh, it's pretty strong, it's pretty deep, and it's definitely, a testament to how no matter what you go through in life, you're the one that gets to decide how you're going to continue to live and how you're going to climb your roots because that's actually going to be the name, that is the name of her podcast that she is uh, starting. So at the end of the episode, I, it's, you know, make sure that, you know, once you're hearing me, you go follow her podcast and give her some love. Um, so Amy Ohan is my guest today. She's a mother, she's a wife, she's a PTA president and a substitute uh, teacher for children with autism. She was born and raised in Florida by a single father and she has been on a journey of personal growth her whole life and so she wants to share today what uh, she went through, what she goes through and how she has uh, allowed the hardships to shape her and help her become who she is today. If you listen with kids, uh, we do touch on some subjects. There are some, I'm giving some trigger warnings uh, because there is talk about, you know, certain things that may trigger others. We talk about stuff that maybe not be appropriate for children. So I'm just giving that heads up um, in case you do normally listen with the kiddos. Maybe this episode's not one for them, but of course I'll let you decide that. Maybe listen first. And um, without further ado, enjoy. Welcome, Amy. Hi, how are you? I'm good, and you? Good, very excited to be here. I'm excited for you to be here as well. So I'll start off with, um, let me see, my first question is, like, can you share some of the most significant hardships you faced while growing up um, and being raised by a single father? Um, yes, so basically, because I was the oldest, um, I was, I had both of my parents until I was about six and a half, well, seven. My sisters were born when I was seven. Um, up until that point, my mom, I guess, held it together. Um, I have memories with her that are actually good. There was actually a lot of good about her. Um, the more I go and I, like, learn in life, uh, the less angry I am and I see how 
unfortunately, so much of this is common nowadays. But um, basically, she had, I guess, what was an alcohol and drug addiction to start. She gave birth to the twins in 88. She didn't even make it, I don't think, two years. Ended up taking off to her sister's house in central Florida. Got into an accident. She uh, killed a girl named Amy, which is my name. It's a girl oh. years old. She got on the I-4 going the wrong way. Um, she did time for that. So basically, I guess I would start by saying that while I was in, I think, second, third, and fourth grade, my mother was incarcerated. Um, my memories are so vivid of being so young. Not all of it was um, ugly. Again, as you get older and you learn to deal with things and to make a better, I guess, outcome of what you witnessed, it wasn't that bad. I mean, the things that I see now are so disgusting and, you know, they're just different. Everybody's thing is different, but there was a lot of, um, I guess, the, the worst part, to be honest with you, is when she did get released at one point when I was a teenager, like 12 or 13, when you know that's right in the middle of the roughest part of being a teenager. Mm-hmm. Um, my dad let her come back to the house when she got out because he was the weaker one. It sounds crazy, but I was done with her before he was. Isn't that crazy? I was a child, but um, yeah, that's kind of how it worked. And I was done with her and he let her come back. Those couple of years were actually the worst couple of years. Um, and that's when I was it, was, it was abuse. It was neglect. It was a couple different things. Again, as I grow older, I know how bad it could have been. I was never um, abused so much, but I was abused um, sexually with visual, meaning she was doing things in front of me. Nobody ever hurt me, but I was, I witnessed many things. Um, Now that I'm older and I've talked to my sisters, I didn't realize they also witnessed things because they actually lived with her after she would get out of prison. I never uh, went back with her. So growing up without a mother, I would say, I think your original question um, was, what was one of the hardships? That, that, and even though I've took such a hyper focus on being, you know, raised by a super uh, a single father, like, look, that, that's what I wrote on there. I was so strong. I know I'm tooting my own horn, but I realize now, I was able to grasp that even as a child. I was like, great dad, great dad, great dad, instead of like drowning in mom in prison, mom drugs, mom. You know, my mom would get out of prison sometimes and have a fully furnished apartment and a car and a boyfriend. <laughs> you know, it was like wild. Like I knew stuff about scams, like what, what people rap about in rap songs. like. And my mom wasn't even ghetto or anything like that. She was actually gorgeous and very smart and charismatic. And I can't believe I'm saying it, but again, now that I'm 41, I'm a lot like her too. Like, cause my dad had things, even though I was his biggest fan that I, I'm not like him. Like I have a lot of patience. My father had no patience. My mother was full of patience. You know, she did have some good qualities. And as you learn about addiction, and about mental health, I mean, this girl was sick. She was sick. Yeah. And she was my mom. So that's something that, you know what I mean? Like, she was my mom. So if we were talking about someone else's mom, 
I've learned to talk about her like that. Like there was something else there. Does it suck that I went through it? Yes. And childhood, of course, look at me now. That's why I walk around the elementary school like a little like, you know, fairy because I give it all to kids now. Like I literally can look at a 10 year old and know that they need me like to say good morning to them every day. Like it's just weird, but it's like my superpower. I'm in school again and now I like it. And I'm an adult, you know, it sounds kind of goofy, but it's the truth when they're always like, thank you. Not goofy at all. If anything, I think it's a second chance at being able to relive it on your terms. Cannot tell you how I never wanted to go to school. In elementary, it was that, well, like I said, she was in and out of my life. So before she actually left, she would forget to pick me up. So this is back when the school cop could actually drop you off at home if you lived down the street. So I got dropped off by Officer Andres all the time because she put on so many shows, I think, at school that, like, they preferred dropping me off. She was always just super wasted by the time I got out of school. My sisters were so neglected. Like, I'm so thankful that they don't remember that. But this had made me hyper-focused and become who I am. And like I'm saying, before I would look at this like, oh, I'm so crazy. No, I'm actually not crazy. I was lucky enough. Like you see a lot of people with issues. You, Oh, my mom was this, my dad was this, and they drown, you know? It's so easy to drown and say, I can't do this because of this. Or on the contrary, how about I'm gonna do this because why would I continue this like what I call it, a generational curse. And what's really crazy is that both of my parents had it in different ways because in a way we all have, you know, something that even if you have parents and never get divorced, no addiction, the greatest thing in the world, there's something, right? Like expectations you don't reach or your dad was a football player and you can't even hold the football, you know? Yeah, yeah. Or your mom's like a beauty queen and you don't even know what like foundation should look like. You know, like these are things that like everybody has something. And, you you know, like as a child, like you started with my question about child, I believe it all starts there. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Off track, I talk a lot. No, that's fine. This is literally what this is about. So do not apologize. You, I told you, you run with it. You can run with it. Okay. Um, I think that's, I mean, that's, a lot. Um, I like, I always say that um, everybody, everybody's childhood molds them, right? But it could break you too. And, you know, and even like, sometimes like you can grow, like you said, grow up in a, like in a family where everything is put together, but there's always brokenness in every family because we're all broken people. Like, but I don't look at it as a bad thing. I look at it as a beautiful thing because it's acknowledging those things that have broken us and then being able to say, you know what, I'm not going to let this bring me down. You know, I'm going to allow this to um, make me into who I want to be. And I think that's exactly what you've done. That's what you were able. And that's why I want the, my next question is about, you know, you just mentioned it, uh, breaking the generational, you know, curses cycles. Um, That's tough. That is really tough. But, you know, can you talk about what steps you took um, to break free from those patterns that you feel, you know, could have had you repeat cycles? Well, I think 
the day that I, or the, the few days, or now it's all blurred, but right when I lost my dad unexpectedly uh, four years ago, like I said, he was like the super hearing, you know, like I hyper-focused on that and that was awesome, right? And then he like, woof, vanished because he wasn't sick first. So he just passed away. It happened in two weeks. And um, I was like, okay, well, now... I have to do it again. Like here I am starting over again. Now that I've, um, you come up with the term climbing roots, which I know we'll talk about that. But like, I was like, okay, well, it's time to climb again. Uh, the first thing I know that's going to sound very cold and odd is that like we had this um, memorial at the park where we grew up in Broward for my dad. Cause he was very non-religious. He was a very special, different guy, but um. He wouldn't have wanted, like, anything. So we went with, like, doing it at the park where we all used to hang out growing up. And it was, um, like, it was beautiful and everything. But I just, I, I remember, like, I'm sorry. I started thinking about something. And you asked. No, don't worry. What, what, so I was, like, sitting there and I was thinking, like, I, I, I have to change this. Like, now... I'm going to what be this super big sister and carry them still like what an odd thing after I, I wrote to you that I helped raise them I did help raise them but like I said they're only seven years different so now that I'm 41 they're turning 35 and this was you know they were 31 when this happened and I was very disappointed with some of the things like you know every family has their drama of invites, blah, blah, blah. But I remember sitting there and saying, okay, well, one thing I'm not going to be able to do is, like, carry weight anymore. Like, my mom passed away from her addiction. She wasn't in our family, but we had lost her in 2008. So that made us, we were already basically without a mother. But that was like, okay, that's guaranteed. You know, there's not going to be some, like, reunion in 20 years with the grandkids and she'll be sober. Like, no, that's done, right? right. So then... He was gone. And I was looking at my sister that day in the pavilion at the park, and I'm like, I got to do this, and I'm not doing it for everyone this time. Like, I'm not going to be a psycho trying to control them. They're adults just looking at the crowd. This was, like, all going on in my mind. And ever since that day, I sometimes think, like, did I mourn for my dad, right? Did I miss something? I never, like... Not that I never cried. I still cry a little bit every day, like in a weird way or a picture or a saying or, you know, whatever. But like, I knew it was even weird when he was in the hospital. I told my husband one day, he's not going to make it. And I am not a negative Nelly. And Elias was like, babe, don't say that. And I'm like, no, I'm, I'm pretty sure he's not going to make it. And I'm going to like, it's going to be okay. That's, that was kind of how he raised me. You know, like, we didn't, like, oh, mom's in jail. No, it was get up every day, go to work. He always had clean clothes for me. He always fed me. There was not a lot of, like, baloney. Like, you know, now I grew up with a bunch of Latin friends, and I love my Latin friends. I'm a gringa. My dad was a Jewish guy, but we didn't do the whole, whole muñeca, me, baby. <laughs> it was, like, chilling. We... We did the steps every day. We were best friends. He was a major stoner. I always knew, you know, he was smoking. He didn't do anything else. Like, that might sound like 
oh my God, you didn't care? Not at all. You have no idea what my mother did in front of me. My dad was so functional and so like, they said at his memorial that day, he didn't miss one day of work in 30 years and he was a single dad. So what else do I need to tell you, right? Yeah. (laughs) And he wasn't even the owner. So he never climbed his roots, by the way. He is a superhero in my story and I love him. And he was badass. But let me tell you, he didn't climb his roots either. Why? 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 Like, what do you think? One thing that that he really blew my mind with, and we never got to fight it out. I was like his woman without sex. We were best friends since I was seven. So when he's in the hospital, I was like, I was the um, one that like wanted to hear every time the doctor was there. And when they came in with what was wrong with him, so basically he would never go to the doctor. He was like this type of guy that he would always say to the doctor, just want to take your money. So my one sister found him on the floor, took him to the hospital. And that night in the ER, they threw up some x-rays and he had cancer, like stage four, like that was. So fast forward a day or two, they're running tests and they're like, oh, they come in about the heavy drug use. Yes. Like I said, I know my parents met in the Quaalude days. My parents hooked up because my mom heard him banging the neighbor and followed him out one night to get his phone number. I mean, that's how they started. Wow. That was 70s in Fort Lauderdale. Like, my mom was a bartender. My dad used to, you know, sell pot. Like, that's, they had their story. They got married twice. I always thought that was a, a funny joke. No, when he died, I had the paperwork. Not a lot of people get married and divorced twice. They did it. You know, they were literally like, you know, their own breed of people. So the doctor asked him about the veinous drugs, and I never knew that he also did heroin. So, yes, in the end, on their death certificates, and I don't know if it's somehow from each other, but they both had hepatitis C and cirrhosis of the liver, which is from the, the drug use of the needle. So... You know, they both live double lives, like superhero dad, but totally. One time my dad went to Columbia for two weeks and stayed for two years <gasps> in college. Yeah, like in that era. They were party animals, him and his boys. I called them all my uncles. Like my dad had kids, three daughters with a crazy chick who went to prison. And all the boys that my dad, like, were friends with, they're all Jewish guys. They definitely chipped in. Like, I had no women influence. It was all men. And none of them were perverts, thank God. Because now you grow up and hear about the uncle that they want to just sit on their lap. It was none of that. It was very, um, I don't know. Like, we just always made it. Like, my Christmas presents were usually from one of those uncles. My dad was broke. Um, You know, no one would buy us cute girl stuff. And then someone's wife would take us shopping. So now that I'm a woman, I get it. That would be like if my neighbor was a single dad, you know, and I had a couple extra hundred bucks and I took the little girl shopping. Mm. My uncles, that's what I called them. And they were awesome. Um, not so a lot. What do you think your dad could have done different to oh, the dysfunction in the household? Like I loved them, but we had no rules. I had friends over all the time. Um, he was just making it and they're like my husband says that I talk the way I talk around the house because of him and they were best friends but just the uh it's verbal non-verbal abuse please don't think I was <laughs> abusing but um 
you know, my husband's from a Venezuelan Arabic family. He would encourage, he also has no parents and is an orphan as well. He would encourage that his sisters, if like the house was on fire, where we grew up cursing in front of my dad since we were in elementary school. Not because he didn't care. He was just worried about 10 other things, probably just, you know, paying the bills. He had three daughters, three little girls, you know. I got two kids and I'm barely making it this summer. I don't even know how he did it, but what did he do different? The way he spoke, implementing rules, maybe doing a little more, promoting college and promoting some values. I love him, but there was no values. Do you I, think uh, him remarrying would have been helpful? Oh, of course, but he only had one girlfriend. And when I was listening to your episode today um, with Jeremy, and something he was saying, I was like, oh, my God, this kid cared about his dad's happiness. Why didn't I think about that? <laughs> yeah, but it, at the beginning, it wasn't like that. <laughs> it wasn't like that. It's, it, I think it's usually because scary. It's scary to bring in a stranger into, you know, like because it, it could have you could have had a positive female influence. Kelly was awesome. She also had two mm -hmm. times of love with my dad. They also had two relationships. When he died, she stepped in like she was my stepmother the whole 30 years. I swear to God, it was awesome. Um, they were great together, but she wasn't my mom. My dad loved my mom. And I, yeah. get, I get it. I get it. I get it. She was the, uh, you know, how do you say, like the bad apple or whatever. He was from an Orthodox Jewish family in Ohio. And she was wild. Her family was like great and stuff, but my mother had five kids and they were all like my mother, by the way. So that's where that generational curse, it comes from like good seeds in the background. That's what it's supposedly the story is. But wow, what grew out of there and why? Because that's what I was telling you in the beginning. Even if you come from that good family where there's no addiction, no divorce, the white picket fence, that whole little thing, there's something. You could be not what your parents want you to be. You're not good at reading. You could be dyslexic. I work with autistic kids. I have a family at the school that they have three autistic children, you know? Yeah. About that. Like, it doesn't really matter. So, like, I, I, I kind of feel like the way it is is that you're born into an active situation no matter what, whether you're a baby that's given for adoption or a baby that's born into somebody who is planning it, you know, and then you have to learn and grow and develop. That's where now they say one out of every 10 kids could be on the autism spectrum, learning disabilities, the ADHD, you know about that, the ADHD. Yeah. I mean, I've never been diagnosed. I'm definitely ADHD. Yeah. Not, I think and I think the majority of people nowadays can have some form of ADHD. So then, yeah. No, go ahead. No, no we we live in a like in a world where like everything is fast, everything is instant, and that trains your brain too. But I I actually learned that also ADHD, um, and it makes a lot of sense. Like it like we think that it's all is like genetic, and what I'm learning or what I have learned is that sometimes like if you grew up in a house where um, like, let's say your parents 
Like, I, I know for a fact, for me, like my mom, maybe like my sister was born and then she couldn't give me that same attention. So like when I didn't get the attention I needed, I just kind of would like drift away. And then I, because I was undiagnosed for so long, when I had my son, I could see myself kind of tuning him out sometimes if he was driving me crazy. And then what happens is that they learn the same mechanism. So the ADHD is basically a way to kind of tune out of the environment. But then what happens as you get older is that you now have to tune back in. Like, it's not just something that you can just like tune out, but we, it's a, it's a technique that we just have to learn to do. It's not easy, especially when you've done it your whole life. Um, and obviously every situation is different. Uh, we can't really say that everybody is the same or that the, the cause for the HD is ADHD is the same, but um, that's why I decided not to get on, like I decided to get off medicine because I just felt like this isn't really helping me. This is like uh, something that, yeah, it definitely helps, but it's not fixing it. This isn't going to go away. So I rather like, I think you give your son, right? Like diets, like yeah. the, yeah, that, that, that's a key. I give him sugar because he's a kid and it's summer and everybody <laughs> else at the kitchen bar is having a popsicle and what am I going to do? And you know what? It's a superpower. Too. It is a superpower. It absolutely is. I'll never forget the day the first grade teacher's like, Amy, so Naeem is like, might not excel in the reading area like he should, but I'm pretty sure he's going to own at least like two or three businesses. Yeah. <laughs> Multitasker. Yes, you know, so it's a superpower. It is. That's what I was going to say. It's like, it's like, no matter what, you hit these bumps when you're in elementary school. You're either super smart and they want to put you in gifted and do this and do that. Or you have a disability, you're behind, or your mom's a dancer. And I'm not judging. I'm giving you a scenario or a bartender and she works all night and they pick you up from grandma's and you're tired. And that's not your fault. And that effect, like, I could go on and on and on. Your mom could be the caretaker of your grandma. And every day after school, you go to your grandma's house and she's sick and it's sad and it affects your vibe in life. Yeah. Like, energy is energy. Like, you don't know what someone is going through. And it does start when you're a kid. They yeah. tested me for ulcers when I was nine. Wow. I was on trial. And I hated her and I didn't want to know about it. And I, at the same time, was spying on the whole thing. So, like, I had an ulcer at nine. Like, people can never tell me that it doesn't matter. It matters. And no, no one's going to be a perfect mom. No one's going to get it right. I mean, everyone's going to lose their marbles. There is no right answer. Uh, and I always say, we're, uh, uh, like, at some point or another, we, we do... Um... I don't want to say mess up our kids, but we do contribute to something that they're going to have to deal with when they're older because we're not perfect. And I think it's it's opening up that line of communication to allow them to feel safe enough to come tell us, hey, I didn't like it when you did that. Instead of having that mentality of like, oh, I'm your parent and you just have to deal with how I am. I think that's something that like helps you be able to like see yourself because I learned a lot by doing that, like allowing my kids to call me out and you know, if I'm here telling them, be this way, do this, right? But I'm not giving them the space to call me out when I'm not doing what I'm telling them to do. Right. Then, I, like, that, to me, that's not authentic. And so I've learned a lot about myself and what I say and how I and how I choose to, like, live by allowing them to call me out. And I, that's something that is completely breaking a generational curse because or, or a cycle, 
because I like I remember when I was younger you really couldn't tell it to your parents you'd get slapped (laughs) like you don't tell me what I did wrong you know like I'm the parent and that you have to do what I say and that's it and that's I I, I mean yeah there should be respect but that's not the answer it's not because I think that you know we we do become better parents and we help our kids become better humans by listening to them and too yeah they bring out things in us that we didn't know we could do especially us who have been through stuff yeah well i mean they say that having children uh could re-trigger traumas right like so like at the moment that you're experiencing you know being a parent to your child it almost opens up those wounds again so it's i see it as an opportunity right an opportunity to be able to heal those wounds and I've been learning a lot in that sense, like, whereas, you know, I've gotten triggered and I've seen how I could so easily put that responsibility on my kids where it's not their responsibility. You know, it's really my responsibility, but there's people that don't have the ability to see that or they don't want to see it. Like they don't, they choose to not acknowledge, you know, that they still have wounds that they haven't tended to. Yeah, there's so, a way to keep working on yourself, that personal development everlasting there's always something it never ends yeah i say that all the time and that and that's my next question like i think uh one thing that i i feel that i i see a lot in people um and something that i personally have to had work had had to work really hard to overcome is self-compassion so especially when you're navigating through difficulties or challenges in life so how do you practice self-compassion or how have you practiced it through your journey to become the best version of yourself? I finally started doing that. And I don't even know, like, of course, like with a lot of women, the weight loss after the kids and getting older, like I definitely got bigger than I ever got. But um, while getting better at working with that, I think it was like making time for myself and like putting myself on like the to-do list. And I don't mean like physically on my to-do list because I always have one of those, but like, what am I doing for myself? You know, when you first have your babies, anyone who's ahead of you in the game will like tell you how, oh, it goes fast or, oh, they're going to grow. Well, I think that's what happened. All of a sudden I had like an eight and a nine-year-old and I was like, or a seven and eight-year-old and I was like, Okay, so, like, I'm halfway done with this almost, not to sound mean, and I know it's never done, but, like, the little people part, like, that's it. I got a third and a fifth year. When? When am I going to give myself just a little bit? You know, I am so good at being not the party girl that my mom was, and that's, like, where these generational things, even when you're coming out ahead, there will always be, like, mental triggers. If I go out one night with the girls, which I barely ever do, I'll think about that. I will literally feel guilty. I'm guilty of absolutely nothing for a feeling that I knew as like an eight-year-old. How sick is that? And then maybe again as a 13-year-old because she did come back, like I say, and there was lots of exposure to lots of things. But like, why why not take the time? And okay, I'm not a drinker, so it doesn't have to be a girl's night out. It can be going to a farmer's market going to breakfast with your friends, going alone somewhere without someone saying, mom, mom, mom. You know, all of a sudden I realized I got to get a hold on this. When I met my husband, I was independent. I always lived alone. Like I was very self, 
like made and independent and all of a sudden I can't get to Target or I can't get even to the gas station alone, all of a sudden I put my foot down and I can tell you what, giving yourself self-compassion, time, maintenance, everybody's different. Some girls can't miss a manicure. Some girls never get that money from their husband that are stay-at-home moms and they do their own nails that whole 15 years staying home. Everybody's like, luxury and relaxation looks different. And I'm like that. I can go to the park on a Saturday morning for an hour alone. And that might be better than a girl's night out for, you know, like that, that can really like fill my cup going to target. I don't even have to buy. I grew up with a Jewish dad. I never got to park. <laughs> like I'm good with walking around and people watching and looking at some stuff or maybe grabbing something here and there, but like, Taking that time, I love to drive. I have a Jeep. I love going down the Chrome and just driving through some of those farms and stuff and homestead. That does it for me. So so how do you how do you talk yourself through? Okay, because like you said, like hanging out with your girls, right? Like it's not a negative thing because you've already proven that you're not your mom. Right. And so how do you handle that guilt and how do you how are you compassionate with yourself? When you when those emotions start coming up and how do you like talk yourself out of it to like so that you can genuinely enjoy it because you know that you're not doing anything wrong? Yeah, well, first of all, it's so sad but true. My dad was also an awesome husband, just like I have. And here's this crazy thing, you know, about having that great husband and that safety net. You know, like how half the women are walking around here looking for a good guy. I have a good guy. And um, you know how many women take advantage of that? Like, that's what my mom was doing. My dad did not do anything to her like she did to him because she knew he was, like, a house guy and this and that. So I basically tell myself that, yes, let me tell you, it's been 11 years I've been married. It's different. It's different. I used to get frustrated, get in my car, drive and do anything. I don't do that. So I allow myself and I tell myself, you know, like, a lot of girls probably get the phone and the car and the phone and call their mom when they have a bad fight with their husband. I used to do that with my dad. My dad was funny. He was always on Eli's side. I still would call him. I don't know why, but I would for him to tell me to calm down and give the guy a break. He, I swear I just repeated his words. That's exactly what he would say. Calm down and give the guy a break. But, like, I'm not her, and I deserve a lot of compassion because if I really sit back and I look at it, I have friends that have two kids. And, you know, they drop them off with their moms and I do this and that. I don't get that. So anything or anything I fall short or I fall back on, I know it's okay. Because I'm doing at least one thing that I know 99% of the girls are not doing. I don't have anyone. I have a freaking amazing neighbor. She's from um, Honduras. She's 19. She doesn't have an Instagram. She doesn't date. She's so good this girl and I by the grace of God have her she's the only babysitter I have and that's wild you know you know how I'm sure your mom helped you like yeah some girls take advantage of that more than others but I literally do I think it's a people take it for granted uh more often than not because it's like you don't know what you don't have until you don't have it like and that's the truth that is the truth um and I allow the compassion by just always, you know, reinforcing. I have to do that a lot. Fights with my husband when I do the mom guilt, 
you know, there's a lot of stuff I got to walk myself through alone. And, you know, but how do you how do you do that? Because you haven't answered my question. <laughs> I guess. How do you walk yourself through that I, guilt? Um, mentally, I just walk myself through it. I, I have what do you tell yourself? What do you tell yourself? That it's okay. That I'm surviving. Okay. And you don't allow yourself to like sit in that guilt. Because I think that that's always I, a hard thing, yeah. I think, with most people. Especially, like you say, the mom guilt. Yeah, you know? like... I can't like there's so many ways that I could do better but like literally I don't give up I I'm so good at waking up every day and trying again I know that's a gift from God because a lot of people can't do that and I don't even know like I said sometimes in these four years since my dad I'm like did I process that like am I do like well you just asked me and I had a hard time answering how do I do it I don't know how I do it <laughs> Like different ways, like I said, taking a ride. Sometimes I do overflow my cup and I have too much going on. And I love something you said. I think it was your podcast when you were sitting at the park with the dog when you said that you shouldn't bring the dog to the park. You really remind me. Like, <laughs> I love your analogy with that, which in reality, everyone should be able to bring their dog to the park, right? Yeah, it's true. Right? They make that whole thing, but like, you have to just stop and say, like, okay, I can't do that. I can do this. Okay, I freaked out on Maria. Maybe I feel like crap right now. But guess what? Maria's never woken up and I haven't been here. I used to wake up sometimes and my dad be like, where is she? I don't know. We'd wait for a day. Sometimes we had a, you know, wild story. Like I said, I could go on forever about that. But, like, she never has to look for either of her parents. God bless my kids. They're so blessed, you know, we're still together. Me and Eli, I think, fight really hard because we are both orphans. And we both saw so much missing when we were younger that we wouldn't even think of doing it with anyone we couldn't do it. And we are definitely very um, opposite. I think Eli gives me a chance. When you ask me how do I give myself compassion, he helps me, man. He also pokes at me. <laughs> oh, some of my, you know, when I have a rough day, it can be because of him. He's not like the knight in shining armor either. You I mean, know? no, but no, I would say like, you know, our our uh partners in life are or the you know, our spouses or partners that we choose, the most intimate is the most intimate relationship we tend to have like we have. And it has the ability to totally trigger the most deepest wounds that exist within us. Right. And we and I always say that when you say we fight hard, I always think like that's not a bad thing because um, it's just how do you come out of those fights? How, like if you fight and that's a, I like I remember like when me and my husband started, like we would argue a lot and him and his ex-wife wouldn't really argue a lot. So the kids weren't used to that. But I was like, I don't ever want to hide that because the reality is that I want them to see us fight, but I also want them to see that we're talking things through and that we're we're finding a solution because that's life and in life sometimes you fight because you need to be able to speak obviously I don't want to fight about things that aren't really significant but if there's something significant I don't feel the need to hide it you know I but I'm open with them and I allow them to come to me and ask me hey why are you guys fighting and I could I could totally tell you it's um, themselves too. yeah and and so, yeah, there's no such thing as a perfect, no. you know, even sometimes when people don't fight, that's actually to me, I'm not saying I'm sure there's healthy relationships where people don't fight. Right. But it's usually that they're just not 
speaking up on things that bother them. And that what happens with that is that it piles up, it piles up, it piles up, and then it explodes. And to me, that I don't know, that's not the healthiest way. So, um, it's so it's good that he's because I feel like my husband does that with me too. Like he helps me find the compassion, like when I'm being really hard on myself yeah, about he, something. He definitely like lets me be me and do me and. You know, again, sometimes he's not always on the same page with me or not working on the stuff I'm working on. And sometimes I get hyper-focused on that. And then I have to let down my reels on that. That's from childhood with controlling the twins. I mean, these things that you go through when you're young, they definitely go with you into a lot of your actions. Yeah. So you can't control anyone. And anyone who doesn't want to do anything is not going to do it until they're ready. And then forced behavior is not good either. You know, it's so wild, but while working with the autistic children has changed my perspective on everyone's behavior in the whole world because it really is like behavior is everything. We all have behavior. First thing things, anyone thinks when you say behavior, okay, like a kid behavior, no way. If I tell you right now that these red shoes are on sale, your behavior is whether you look online or you go to the store, like behavior is action. Every, yeah. And everywhere with people scrolling social media with what you do with your spare time it's it's everywhere and we don't live in a world where we do a lot of action anymore like everything can be made convenient you can even go grocery shopping on your phone you know yeah it's like wild and action make us who we are the way you move it it cultivates you you know yeah get up and, and make a mission like you know what? Sometimes my husband drives me crazy when he wants to do his crazy missions, like drive to Central Florida to buy an old truck out of nowhere to reach out. Then on the way, I'm like, okay, th this still makes him cool. I don't want to be 50 years old with a husband that girls talk about that won't leave the house. I like busting missions. I like driving to Orlando out of nowhere for no reason. Why am I so upset? Just because I'm not in control of it? Because I didn't make it up? You know what I mean? It yeah. gets like that. It's, it's hard to look at yourself. You know, my husband and me have a funny thing about that. I'm like, he will never admit he's guilty about anything. I have no problem being guilty. <laughs> you know? like, I just, that's a man thing, I think. I, like, I'm not afraid to be guilty. Maybe that's because of the house I grew up in that everything kind of went. And, like, you just, like, there was no hiding thing. So it's like, I mean, if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. But I don't know what happened to him growing up that, he does not want to be wrong, and it's okay to be wrong. A lot of people are wrong, you know. As even like I'm not a real teacher, but like think about it: a teacher gets a class full of kids. All those kids are new at the at the at the year at that grade. They don't know how to perform the work they're supposed to perform. So if one of those kids doesn't get it, is it really because of the teacher? No, yeah. you know. Yeah. My, I don't know if you got to hear the the podcast no. I did with Michelle. Um, she's a teacher and she was telling me like that one of the most difficult things is that, you know, it's really hard to teach children um, uh, because if their basic needs and a lot of them, this is happening, aren't being met at home. Like really, how is math important? Like how, how do I have the expectation to sit, like sit there and have them, you know, um, care about math if they didn't even eat? Because right. there's no food at home. Their parents are working and they're not emotionally there for them. And it's like, I, I like that was such an like eye opener for me because uh, get, a lot of times like you, you know, things are happening, but if it doesn't personally affect you, it's easy to not think about it. 
And um, to hear it like firsthand, it's like, wow. And then, you know, we sit there and we tell, oh, these kids aren't focusing. These kids aren't, um, you know, they have this, they have that. And in reality, it's like, no, these kids just aren't anyway near anywhere near like what where they need to be in order to even start learning about math they they do need to have their you know the love given and and it's sad because it's like what what can you do about that like that's their household and I'm sure you can relate because I mean yeah, yeah you, you had that from your dad but like you there was still a part of it that was missing and that's way worse than me and that's why you can never that's what I mean about how people drown yes people go through some really rough stuff and it's no one's job to say my problem is worse than yours no you know but yes it is very sad and you don't know what anyone's going through and there's some kids that have two households where both of them could be rough on them and they wish their parents were together with icing on the top you know what i mean just imagine all that on an eight-year-old or a nine-year-old's shoulders that also has problem with reading comprehension you know that's why i love being a substitute I get to be the person that hangs out with them instead of the person worried about the reading comedy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, and I think you're the perfect person for that too. That's why I say like sometimes like we don't, we we think that, you know, oh, like our roles, but there's importance in every single role that exists. And I feel like you're the perfect person to have these kids maybe even open up to you and to like feel comfortable with you because you do have a lot of compassion and you have, um, you know, a lot of... Uh, experience through this and your the the way that you have chosen to focus on life and how you push yourself through these things like that's the type of person that kids need more of yeah and so sometimes they they don't have that at home and so to be able to have that at school you know because you know there's a lot of people that go into teaching because of the schedule not so much because of you know, the five of them are burnt out. Right. The love of kids. And so you you could tell that you love what you do. I definitely walk into school way different than I did 30 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> love it. And I and, and, and I do get tired and stuff with the PTA, but it is fun. And it's like it's uh, you know, we have seasons in our life, and this is mine right now. You know, I'm going to do something else. I have a purpose. That's like what my whole thing is right now. Like I'm ever since I lost my dad, I'm climbing up and I'm trying to find what's best for me. I'm in the middle of raising the kids, being in a marriage. You work for that every day. I don't care who you are. It's the God's honest truth. So every day, like I say, I wake up, I try my whole analogy about climbing roots is because everyone should just believe in themselves like you literally get one life you know or maybe there's another one but the one you're in right now is the one you're always living in you know I always kind of feel like I definitely had another life because of my old soul like it is such a joke about me this is a true story but I know everyone's parents it's probably from not having my mom but like every time there's a get together or god for you know sometimes we have funerals because that's what happens right now at this age and we get together I remember everyone's parents name and all the people are like how do you remember everyone's mom and dad and I'm like probably because I wanted it like imagine I used to anybody who would invite me to church I would go my dad was like, we lived in a really good neighborhood in Pember Pines, and he was not wrong for, for being so relaxed about that because, I mean, a friend in my neighborhood got me through in childhood. It's awesome. But, like, anyone who invited me to church, I would go. Anyone who invited me, I just, 
was always grasping onto things, climbing up. But that's how I made it, you know? And then I just kept on, kept on. Um, a bad relationship got me into college again, believe it or not. You know, that's how life is. So I ended up graduating college. That was what was able to get me into substituting, which is, like I said, something I'm doing right now that I cannot tell you how much I love it, how awesome it is. Um, I also get to be there with my kids, which is obviously a bonus right down the street. But I do have a lot of self-goals and a lot of things. My dad always used to tell me that, um, like, I had to make money with my mouth. And that's how... could be laughing right now, too. <laughs> but, like, I've always, like, you know, been a talker. And I let me tell you, I haven't cried everything I've said. That is such self-progress for me because it is sad. And there's a lot of, like, I could always share, but, like... It's so self-propelling to really make it to this point. I mean, a lot of people would meet me and not even know, you know, that I wasn't raised by a woman. I'm more girly than I've ever been. I try with that. I don't over-try. I'm not going to lie because I am who I am. And I love it that I don't stress all that stuff about how I look all the time. But it is important to take care of yourself, you know. You have to find this, like, balance as a woman. And usually your mom is always like in your ear about that, right? Well, obviously. I sometimes, because sometimes our mothers still haven't learned. Girls don't like their mom. Listen, everyone's got a story, you know? Me and yep. my a lot of freedom. Come Thanksgiving and Christmas, we roll out. You know, we don't have the family drama, the fighting of whose house. Like, um, we do our thing. Like, it's very sad not to have parents, but you make your story. You know, we, we help a lot at the school. My husband does too. No matter where, wherever at, whenever there's someone with special needs, they like magnetize to my husband. Like we'll be camping in a pool, like at a campground somewhere. And then there'll be like all of a sudden a special needs guy right next to my husband. Talking to yeah. He has, he has that safe energy. Yeah. You know, and like, yeah. Put yourself through with what's good for you and what, what makes you happy. In this life that we're living right now, anything can happen at any time, right? So why not try to get yourself into the best state? Tomorrow yeah. could suck. You could get an expensive bill in the mail. You could lose a big deal. You know, my husband owns a business. Something could go wrong. Okay. But you also have your health, your house, your family. Like, it takes a lot of work to keep yourself in a positive mind frame. Yeah. Like, Really climbing up that in life. It's very easy just to let, you know, sit down and be like, oh my God, why me? Right. Yeah. But it I, is. It is. Because it's kind of like just giving up and just accepting defeat and, and saying, this is my, and sometimes it's like, I would say that surrender isn't bad. And it's okay to sometimes just be like, this is my situation, right? What can I do about it? Have I done everything in my power? And if there, you know, you've done everything, then at that point you have to decide, okay, let me feel sad about it for like, I don't know, whatever time I need to feel sad about it. And then I'm going to come out of it because that's not going to help like sadness and, you know, complaining. That's not going to help us figure make, out. You have to make a move. Like, By the way, you've mentioned uh, lives uh, a few times, I'm having a past life regression next week. You should try, totally do it. Yeah, there's something there. I'm such an old soul. I know it because with certain things, I just can't grasp it. Yeah. Like, gonna... I read this fasting book, and in the beginning, it mentioned something because, like, a lot of people don't think about this with our new world, but, like, when they used to eat hundreds and thousands of years ago, they they were outside living, 
and then they would eat plants and animals and they would like feast on the meal and then they would continue on. We live in this gender, you know, where we just eat and we eat and we eat. I never really like, like saw, like thought about that. When I read that, I can't tell you how I felt like I was literally there. Like that is so true. Like everybody has all this eatiness, but in the old, like when we were just here and we were placed on earth, it was just those simple steps and there was still sex and reproduction and families and growth and love and all these emotions that we need, the fundamentals. It wasn't all the extra things that were there. I love the luxury. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying I can make it living outdoors naked, eating an animal. I would be the last. <laughs> Listen, if, if we were born into that, we, could, we feel- would totally be able to make it. Dude, I could totally feel that. We adapt. We adapt. Like, of course. And we're living in this, like, you know, everybody cheats here and does this because it's so easy to do that. There's, like, ways to do that. I'll never forget one day because I grew up in Broward. Me and my husband were, like, coming home from somewhere down A Street. And I'm like, oh, so these, like, hotels are so, like, you can go and hook up with people. He's like, yeah, or whatever. And I'm like, driving. I'm like, wow, like, there's a lot of them because I don't know why. <laughs> I heard about that being young, like about that. I never met anyone or whatever. My friends went, a few of them, whatever. Again, I don't judge. I'm very down to earth. I myself just never gone. I said, wow, <clears throat> there's another one. They were getting nicer. And then the parking lot was in that. So this is like a, a whole business based on the values of scamming someone. <laughs> <laughs> there is something for everything. So- I have learned that not feeling it i'm like i told him right to his face i just used to bring guys to my apartment <laughs> <laughs> i grew i grew up i got my apartment i'm so confused like who wants to go there like okay i get it but like there's that many people involved in that feeling <laughs> like holy cow and everything like that outfits like sexy is great I think women being sad, I'm all about doing whatever floats your boat. There's just like so much of everything. And it's like, you don't even like these kids are being forced with so many things before they even get to the point where they make a choice. We made a choice. Yeah. Like we got there and people started making out and you were either a prude or you started making out. And then you got a little older and you either let people put, you know, their hands in your shirt or your pants or you weren't with that. That that little thing that I just said was like where it was hot and heavy for us. I have no idea where all that crap went. I mean, I mean you we have to also like I think the biggest thing right now is how much um access to so much I think our kids have. Like I remember I heard a um a I heard a um I think it was a, I don't remember it was somewhere on the radio or something a long time ago that it's not about uh how uh like keeping your kids away from pornography but it's about preparing them for when they get exposed to it um and I think that that is something that was so so eye-opening because I think that sometimes as parents we try to control so much that our children get that we don't realize that it's not a matter of what you can control it's a matter of when they will be exposed to it because if if you can control it there's going to come a point in time where you're not going to be with them 24 7 so keeping like you have to prepare their minds for what what it is and the reality of what it does you know, and I think sometimes we have so access to just so much that these kids are overstimulated. And then yeah. the information, social media, like we didn't have social media. Like a space was like, not space, what was it? MySpace was like the first thing that came out. Yeah. And 
and it wasn't it wasn't like it is now like it was it was cool but it definitely didn't like I mean obviously we didn't have phones to connect to it it was all like computer you had to go home and upload your pictures so it, we weren't consumed by it but everything is like so like over like we're overstimulated even adults are but like I imagine growing up in that I feel like it's hard it's so hard for kids to navigate that and as parents too because you try to do your best and sometimes you try to keep them away and then it's a matter of like okay but it's not about that it's about being real with like yeah. hey this is what this does to you and you need to learn you need to learn yep communication and education is key and creating the safe space for them to talk to you yeah. so that they, you know you know because if not you're not going to know about it they're yeah. not going to know about it so Wait. i have let me see um I have one more one more question and uh what like what's the message you would like to leave uh our audience with especially those who are going through difficult times um but are doing everything they can to st like striving to become the best version of themselves like what would be the message you'd like to leave them with well i think a big thing is starting starting now if you feel like Something is burdening you, drowning you, uh, stealing your good energy, just not putting you at your best position. Start something new immediately. You know, don't wait for something to happen or don't wait for the right time. Start with little things. Start by journaling every day taking that one hour, blocking your, your, you know, everyone's schedule different ways, but taking that hour for yourself, making a list, you know, weekly. I try to look at my life weekly because, like I said, I know I have ADHD. I have lots of different things on my mind, and I don't want to escape myself anymore because if I'm not doing right, everything else starts to go off a little bit. The kids, the husband, the school, this, that. So just I call it intentional living. I want, I, I say that everybody has that right to wake up and start intentionally living, intentionally developing habits. Write down what your must haves are to make you better. If you don't get right mentally with yourself, you're not functioning at your best. And I say we should all get on the vibe that if something happens to us tomorrow, God forbid your people, your real grounded, closest people could look at the person next to them and say, they were, they were driving through life. They were doing it every day. They were working through it because that's all you can do that. What do you, what do you want your legacy, you know, to be, what, what do you want to be known at? Hey, everyone's different. If you want to be the prettiest chick that anyone's ever seen, Work at it. I mean, I'm the one to say that that's stupid and vain. Do it. If you yeah. want best ball player, practice. Wake up and intentionally do it. If your life was taken from you, you wouldn't want anyone who loved you to say, man, they weren't just doing it. They weren't trying. They weren't happy. You want the people you love to be eating the good food they love, drinking what they love to drink, even water. Like when I say that, I'm not really a drinker. Like these things all pile up. When I did 75 hard, I'm going to tell you right now, I'm drinking that gallon of water, which I'm slipping on that. <coughs> Excuse me. Bless you. Slipping on that. It's okay. Um, 
that hydration huh? it makes a difference oh it does wonders to your mind to your body to a, to your mood uh the movement of the body again it's so easy to say you can't make time for it, right until you can't walk around yeah until your legs you know you don't until you go to the doctor and your blood's not circulating um the whole self personal development you ever met somebody who says that they literally can't read and comprehend i'm not judging those people those some of those are my babies at school autistic kids that will never read and comprehend but guess what i can so that's my gift and i want to utilize it because yeah. i like to read but someone else might like to write someone might like to dance I see some of my friends from childhood getting into roller skating again. I love that. Do yeah. it. How cool is it to see a 50-year-old lady roller skating down the beach, huh? That's goals. That is. I yeah, agree. Of course it is. And it's never that's too late. Sexy. I think sometimes we set those limitations and it's about yeah, breaking. that's sexy. Yeah, yeah. You know what is. else is sexy is waking up when you're 50 and having a hobby and having a husband. My kids got home that you want to <laughs> climb on top of. Isn't it so funny? This is just me. This is another thing. It was really hard for me to realize how much I love sex after my mom was like that. You know, this is something I give myself compassion about. Okay, you asked me. This is a great example. And I know we're taking a long time. I knew I was going to love talking to you. <laughs> the thing is that I love sex a lot. And I had a hard time. Like, is that weird? Is that because of what I saw or things I thought? No. It's good to be a woman that likes sex. How many girls, you remember growing up, I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to do that with him tonight. Why not? Do you want to? Are you not doing it to play a game? Because if you want to, now that I'm older and married, I'm happy I did everything and everybody I wanted to. Because guess what? I ain't doing it no more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's definitely, that's that's something that I feel it isn't talked about a lot, which is like shame around sex. And then sometimes yes. people, you know, they like I definitely had uh, struggled with that a lot. And I feel like um, I thought once I got married that, you know, I wasn't going to feel that shame anymore. And it still showed up and I've had to work through it. And it's been it's been difficult because I had to like get to the root of it. And it's been it's been hard because I yeah. do have trauma and stuff that I don't remember that happened to me. And I didn't realize how all of that was connected it's, and how it was playing into me not enjoying something that we were created to enjoy, you know? And so at the end of it, it's like, you know, if we don't uncover those things and get rid of that shame that surrounds it, then we don't really know what, like how much of that we're missing out on. Um, and, and that creates such a level of intimacy with, a, you know, with our significant other that, you know, you may not even ever get to experience if you don't dig into those parts yep. of yourself. So and I you have to 100% agree because they're lucky to have women like us. And there's a bunch of women that walk around and they don't live in that. And that's actually their loss. And that but it's usually because of that, of their own shame. It's yep. it, it's a, they don't realize that they're carrying it or that, you know, that it was passed on some belief, you know, where, you know, it. it, it you know, you have this power and then you're using it to control the person. But in reality, you're you're the one missing out as well. Yeah, you, you don't know? want to miss out on anything while you're here. That's my message to people. While you're here, get it. Get what you like. Yeah. Do what you like. And if but, you don't like it, figure out why. Yeah, and then exactly. do something to enjoy it. <laughs> you know, a great example of that is cooking. Everyone's like, oh, Amy, you're a great cook. You're so awesome. And I'm like, 
Thank you. Appreciate the comment. Here's the biggest problem between me and you, honey, and don't get upset. When you <laughs> take out your knife and cutting board, you don't want to do it. You don't like cooking. You keep saying that out in the air that you don't like to. Well, I'm the opposite. I go to the grocery store when I get pissed off just to relieve my So I like it. So my food's going to taste better than your food because you don't want to do it. And that's the same thing with well, uh, being, like what I said, being happy to have, be a woman that likes to still be with my husband. Because why would you not want to, like, if you like it, it's going to be better. Right. And if you don't like it, get uninvolved with it so you can get to that place where you like what you're doing. Yeah, like you, discover yeah. yourself. Yeah, like that's it's, what it's, I mean. If something yeah. happens to you tomorrow, the the person sitting next to your husband on the bench, you want to look at them. I know this sounds like a, like a crazy analogy, but that's how it was. Like, I was sad about my dad. But let me tell you, girl, he was a pain in the ass until the last breath. He had a bunch of weird things, games he was playing with me and my sisters, his three girls. Like, he wanted a bagel just from Ashley. Weird stuff. But guess what? Look how I'm laughing and talking about it right now. That's who he was. He wanted me to tell that story for the next 50 years. Yeah. My dad loves stories about himself. He was like a character. So, so that's what you want when you're gone. You want the people that love you to sit next to each other and be like, no. She was doing it. She woke up every day and did what she liked. May she rest. She lived it because otherwise you're a victim to all these other circumstances instead of getting your own way up your roots. We all have roots. I mean, we all came in. And now that we're talking about roots, I wanted to close out saying I love your your living intentional and that Amy be releasing a podcast in August. I think I'll use it August 1st, hopefully. Yeah, hopefully in the next uh, couple weeks. Uh, and it's going to be called Climbing Your Roots. I'll share it on my Instagram. Um, and hopefully when you start, I can be a guest there. Yes. And then <laughs> we can um, continue this conversation. We always I loved like, it. know each other through so many different ways. We definitely have to get together. Um, so are, you're still doing 75 hard, right? Yeah, I, yeah I'm on day so 21. I'm- I had to restart it again. But yeah, it's 21, day 21. You're going to get it. And I'm so grateful that you gave me this opportunity. I love your show. I'm going to keep sharing it as well and listening to it. Thank you. I love it. Thank you for your time. Thank you for yours and for sharing, for being vulnerable. Because I always say, like, by being vulnerable, we give people permission to do the same. And it's through through being vulnerable that we, um, we really grow and... And create safe spaces for others to share and, and be the same and, We're and start all their healing process. Yeah. So thank yes. you for, for sharing, being raw and, and vulnerable and sharing your deepest, you know, like the things you've been through, because I honestly admire you. I admire your strength, your, how resilient you are and how honest uh, you are and, and how you've overcome so much to be the thank woman you. you are today, who I very much admire. Thank so. you. Thank you so much. <laughs> all right, Amy. Okay. Thank you. Take care. You too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.